Turn it up. Guess what day it is? Hump day. Wednesday? I was going to say the last day before game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I thought you had to catch Audio cue I threw <laughs> like a behind the back no What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the DMVR Nuggets <laughs> Podcast. Let's go, fellas. <laughs> Presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. You can sign up, use promo code DNVR, and become filthy rich beyond your wildest dreams. Wow. Or, depending on who you listen to. Or lose all of your money. Or, more importantly, just have a lot of fun betting That's small amounts up. with us That's as we up, root bro. on Bones Highland to make three-pointers. Um, today, guys, we had Denver Nuggets practice for the second time. Two practices in a row. Harrison... I think only once for the rest of the year will they have two practices in a row, and that's when they get back from uh, All-Star, All-Star Weekend. Well, they're not going to have another practice for the next two weeks. They're not going to have another practice for <laughs> Here sure. Here in Denver. That's for sure. They've gotten Anywhere. in a lot of practices, yeah. I feel like, this season. Already we were talking more. about this on the way over. They might have already practiced more this year than they did like throughout the entire first half of last season. You really get they the practiced sense. practiced so much this This is a good year. point. Let me couch it, though, for a second. He's Harrison Wynn. Over here, I got Brennan Vogt sporting the brand new DNVR hoodie. How's that feeling? Oh, it's so comfortable. Also it's sporting his credential. Yeah, I forgot he to He wants take that everybody off. to know he Just is Just so you guys know, I was in the building. So he's qualified to be on I this podcast. the Denver <laughs> Is that Brennan Vogt from 16 wins a ring? Yeah, I actually can't have this credential on screen either. So thank God for this convenient yeah. DNVR hoodie. So you can pick it up. Sneak into Nuggets practice. Yeah. A copy of that. Is that tight? I can't let that happen. I don't know. That's a question for Eric. He likes this design. I feel thing. like if you called it tie dye and it wasn't, he'd get really pissed. Yeah, at he you. probably. Is but offended, we don't know if it is or isn't. I'm gonna say it's not tie dye. No. Well, is this shirt tie dye? I don't know. I know it's You're the right. same deal. I don't know. I don't know. I'm deal. embarrassed to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's not tie dye. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those questions. Everybody ask him that in the chat when he joins the show. Uh, the month uh, of November is here. We are starting a new month for the Denver Nuggets. October is always the weird month in the NBA because it's not a full month. I think it's probably the most meaningless month of the year. November, you hope to start to build your identity. This is where you really think you can start to separate. Like right now, it's hard to know who's the good teams. Is San Antonio a good team? Is Utah? We don't no. know. Maybe. I mean, they're not. <laughs> well, maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. Are the bad teams, you know, is, are the Nets for sure bad? Are they yeah. going to be bad all year? Yeah. Maybe a new coach will change that. So we don't know. But November, I do think you start to see the trends and you go, okay, there's still questions, but I can see who it is. And for the Nuggets, that's going to come on the road. But before we get to those details... Nuggets did have practice today, as we mentioned, for the second time. Uh, Harrison, you want to take us through your notes from practice? I would love to take you through my notes from just an exhilarating Nuggets practice, I thought, today. Let's just relive it. Did you really think it was exhilarating? No. Oh, I was going to say, I did not. So, <laughs> so tune in. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Michael Malone, I thought, was in a much better mood today than he was in yesterday. Yesterday was the classic... Oh, we're coming off a really bad loss where we looked awful on defense type of Michael Malone mood. Today was the, oh, let's couch that. Let's, you know, let's see the forest through the trees. Let's let's calm down. Let's let's look ahead to the next game, Michael Malone. Yeah. I think appropriately so, by the way. Like but that's almost, how, yeah, that's how he always is. You almost make it sound like, oh, like he was, you know, in a better mood. Yesterday, I understand why he was in a bad mood. They lost a game they weren't supposed to. Absolutely. So I would have, if I were yeah. coach, I probably would be a little. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Wynn's right. You can always tell when he's made a concerted effort to like, all right, let's pull it back a bit. We can't white knuckle the whole season. Yeah, for sure. Um, today, the Nuggets didn't do much, you know, live scrimmaging or anything. It sounded like that was yesterday. Today, um, just a lot of competitive drills. He said they did go pretty hard. And um, 
I thought a couple interesting things he had to say pertain to Michael Porter Jr. and just the differences between the starting lineup and the second unit. And you asked him about testing the limit on Michael Porter Jr.'s threes because we talked about that yesterday. Could MPJ test his own limit? What did Michael Malone think about that? Well, first of all, he said that's an inter- like a weird, que- interesting in a weird way. He almost was like, "Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know why it is." Honestly, <laughs> I honestly was like, "I think like, that's an intuitive question. If you mm-hmm. have a player shooting nine threes a game and he's making fifty percent of them, don't you naturally wonder what if he took ten a game?" He doesn't seem as yeah. curious. He does, as you. Yeah, he's like, he doesn't seem like he's wondering that. There was no curious Mike to that yeah, question. Yeah. He's like, not oh wondering God. what that. And would to look me, like. that's that's crazy. Like if you had a player. Imagine Jokic's rookie season when he was playing like 20 minutes a game and the Nuggets dominated those minutes. Naturally, you ask, shouldn't he be playing more? Shouldn't you actually maybe play through him even more? This thing is working. Yes. So to me, I don't understand if you have a player. I, I just thought it was it was curious that you find it. What's the line? Who says that one? I find it curious why you find that curious. Isn't that from uh, Django? You tell me. You guys tell me in the chat. Yeah, I don't know. It is. It's a great quote. <laughs> so I think Malone kind of settled on um, Nobody gets him. He said, look, he's taking nine threes per 36 minutes. I think that's pretty good. When he's open, I want him shooting the ball. If he's open 20 times per game, shoot the ball. If he's not, find other ways to score and make an impact. That's kind of where he settled on your question. By the way, to me, again, an, an, a, a, a non-answer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not upset about this. this is, I'm just trying to tell people the game. I'm giving away the game. This is the game. You try to ask questions where you're like, hey, here's an interesting topic. The answer of when Michael's not scoring, he needs to find other ways to contribute. Like, yeah, okay, got, yep, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Got it. I thought this was also interesting from Malone. He was talking about the differences between how the offense runs with the starters and how the offense runs with the second unit. And, of course – he said, Captain Obvious, you know, one has much more ball movement. One is much more pick and roll based. Yes, that's that's what we've seen. One has Nikola Jokic. One is pick and roll based with Bones Highland and DeAndre Jordan. But he, this was interesting. He said he was watching Phoenix, Minnesota the other night. And at the that start of the night. fourth quarter, yeah, uh, last night, uh, Phoenix played their all bench lineup. And immediately, Minnesota went on a 10-hour run. True. Did you, what, were you watching that game, too? No. Uh, I was. And it was the thing where if you watch that game, it was close in the fourth. But it was never really close. Mm-hmm. And that's why. They made it close artificially. Mm-hmm. Then you put the starters back in. They smacked yeah. the head. And Monty Williams called timeout and put all the yeah, starters back exactly. in. Um, we've seen that with the Nuggets yeah, already this for season. Sure. So I, I just thought that was interesting that Malone saw that. And I think his thought in bringing that up was like, yeah, we're all trying to get our – bench lineups to play well together throughout the league this isn't just us sure yeah but he is trying to play michael porter with the bench when he can by the way we're going to get into this later it's hard to know how much of this is an issue or anything just i think with everything it's hard to know is it an issue the nuggets defense even it's hard to know if it's a real issue we have seven games to go off of in some games it was some games it wasn't the bench maybe has a solution real quick though did you watch the minnesota suns game i saw some of it yeah, yeah the Two, two things. One, we've talked about this before. The Suns are really good, and it sucks. They really – some people have been sharing some numbers of what the – basically what the Booker, Chris Paul, Aiton combo looked like when they had Jay Crowder versus if you just swapped him with Cam Johnson. And even last year, the numbers were way better. You're looking at it. They look, they look really, really, really good, connected, and they do not in any way look like a team that is – fussing or frustrating, whatever, yeah. no eight and even, and they still smack. And conversely, Minnesota, who we all thought, like, okay, good regular season team probably. They got talent. Are they going to be a tough mismatch? I I don't want to say it's gone the worst it can so far. Again, it's only seven games for them as well. But, man, they look clunky. And then after the game last night, Anthony Edwards 
I don't know if you guys caught that. He was asked about, he hasn't dunked or something this year. He's like zero dunks or something or barely dunked. And uh, he had a quote. He's like, yeah, it's too crowded in there. There's all these seven footers clogging everything up. <laughs> and it's one of those questions. Including the one on my team. Two on his <laughs> team. <laughs> the two, I mean, that's the implication. Well, Towns is, yeah. Well, that was the implication was that, yeah, there's not spacing like there has been in years past. And I don't think he said it as like some guys say things and they have a little spice to it. He was yeah. kind of like laughing about it, but it's still an insight into what he's thinking, which is like, man, this kind of sucks for me. I just thought it was interesting. So. Yeah. Well, maybe the Early the real distraction in Phoenix was Jay Crowder all along. <laughs> and now that he's gone, everything's gravy. I was this team was always going to win a lot of regular constructed. I don't think win. always. I don't think always. I, I think always. I think the second he came back, I'm like, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, but, but we'll see. We'll see what they think about themselves and know about themselves in, in the second round. You I know? mean, last year Utah would be the facsimile, and Utah also had a very good start to the year. I don't think it was always the case, and I still continue to think it's not always like inevitable that they're just going to win 58, 59, 60 wins would be the number one seed. They do have that enormous amount of talent, but fractures happen and they pop up in different ways. Like I said, Utah got off to an extremely hot start and then it kind of hit a wall later in the season. Maybe similar things happen with Phoenix, but they look they look like they have continuity. I think the, the month of October, we just said it doesn't matter that much. I think it tells you more than anything else, it tells you who has continuity. Mm-hmm. The teams that have continuity, generally speaking, get off to hot starts. And Phoenix, I think, and is y- the, the even best example. You can look at a team like Golden State. The starters have continuity. They look great. They're working some new bench guys in, and it's a mess. I'll, I'll tell you what. The Warriors guys don't annoy me, mostly because like some of them are my friends, you know, like the, the loudest voices. Not all of them. So I don't see like – some people are like, oh, Warriors Twitter is the worst. I don't live in Warriors Twitter, so I don't know. I just know Sam is sure, and I love him. Sure. Nothing more fun, though, than watching him post this type of shit we were last year where it's like, Steph's a plus 18 and they lost. And you're like, yeah, that, <laughs> it sucks, huh? Welcome to the fight. He played all but 10 minutes and was a plus 20 and they still lost. You're like, yeah, it sucks, huh? St- it's really St- a bummer. Steve Kerr has won as many titles as many different ways as you possibly can and everyone over there is still like that guy though yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that guy yeah, just rotations. run take and roll oh. we wouldn't have to deal with this it's too funny man yeah well let's talk about the team the nuggets are playing tomorrow the oklahoma city thunder malone was saying how every time you know we've played them it seems like it's a good game he was talking about last time they played in the home opener uh denver allowed 17 blowbys for 31 points he said Oklahoma City is a good rebounding team. They live in the paint. Every time we play them, it's a hard-fought game. SGA is an all-star. SGA leads the league in isos, drives, and pick and rolls. Sick. I think those are the things that Denver struggles with the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also run the action the most, though. I mean, this is a double-edged sword. He is elite at those skills. They also play a style where they just count on him to do it a lot. Yep. And uh, it works. They're... Well coached. Actually, Jokic said that, that they're well coached. I, I, have you ever heard Jokic say, I mean, he has, a, I think he has a few times before pointed out that's a well coached team. But it, it's, Phoenix, I, maybe. Yeah, but I still always perk my ears up when I'm kind of like, interesting. <laughs> giving, <laughs> you know, he's crediting them yeah. for something. I yeah. think Phoenix is the only team I can think of. And by the that. way, when he says that, think about how loud they're. They were the team that were sending the hard doubles and everything that first time around. Right, right. right. So it's like um, they had a very loud adjustment to playing the nuggets which i just find interesting and he also credited them because a lot of teams will be like hey we're going to step up a little higher here or we're going to send the double from here whatever o- oklahoma city's was like no wait just go right away double team hard yeah. oklahoma city they play like a college team they're so disciplined i feel like like whatever their coach says 
they're going to go out there and, and execute. But There's no deviating from the game plan when you're the Thunder. I have another theory on October basketball. Teams that have more simplistic systems offensively mm-hmm. are further along. So you think of like a Dallas, and I know that yep. they're not maybe not the best example. They're just not that good. I, I think they're okay. They're mixed. But their system's easy, man. If you're just a role player in that system, it's like, okay, so I stand here on this play. I stand here on this play. Same thing. I'm just standing. Oklahoma City to me is like that. But, uh, but I, I was saying that more as so that's, that's how the Thunder always are at, at any point in the season. But you know, I, they play exactly like how their coach wants them to play. They do everything like – as they worked on it in practice, like but I feel but like. again because they ISO so much because they spread pick and roll so much, I just think it's an e- you spend less time working on that because there's less moving parts. The exception to this rule, interestingly enough, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, they Super don't play a really offense. complicated offense. Super simple, and they suck right now. Do you? Would you? The Warriors, though, for example, again continuity. They play the most complex offense in the in the NBA, and they're struggling out the gate because it's like yeah, it takes. A lot mm-hmm. of time to kind of catch that rhythm again. Do you agree that OKC runs perhaps the most aggressively anti-Jokic defense? Maybe maybe Clipper the Tyloo Cl- Cl- Clippers, Clippers, New Orleans. Yeah, and I don't. I didn't notice it last year. I mean, obviously noticed it very loudly in Game One of this year. I'll have to take a look. New Orleans and Clippers to me are, are yeah, those are the and then Toronto. I, I would say Toronto is another one that that's this way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got from Malone. Okay, I, all right, I like it. Um, he what did note real quick when you're talking about Oklahoma City, they lost three games in a row to start the season. They lost to Minnesota twice. They lost to Denver once. They have since won four games in a row, so they have the same record as Denver, four and three. And they beat the Clippers twice. Mm. They beat Dallas and they beat Orlando. Um, Orlando, by the way, kind of a good win. Orlando's scrappy. I know they're one and seven, but they're a scrappy team. They play hard. I watched that game. That was like, you know, that that was I would consider a good win. Like they had to do things to win it. But here's the point. We talk about the Clippers as being off to a slow start only because they lost twice to the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Are the Thunder good? I don't, I don't know if they're good or not. I, don't, I mean, they're probably more of a 30-win team. But I just they're not, um, they're not an awful team. Right. Like Denver, I, I just there's this mind frame of, oh, they're a tanking team, ergo, that's, you just have to play your normal game to beat them. Like, no, you have to play well to beat, to beat the Thunder. Nobody's trying to tank right now. Um, game number eight. Yeah, well. Who's trying to tank right Indiana. Now? I think there's They're, a few tankers. They got Miles Turner and Buddy Heald playing yeah. 30 minutes a game. Yeah, Miles Turner. We're talking about that later. We got Miles Turner. Who's, we've gotten to a new level Nobody's in the NBA. I'm telling you, nobody notices. Point. I keep bringing this up. Nobody notices the steep curve we're on in the NBA where it's becoming more ridiculous. We'll talk I about it later on. I think everyone I don't think they do. Point. I honestly don't think they do. There was a new level unlocked this week. It was week pretty of, bad. It's a new level that we're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> it was pretty bad. We'll talk about yeah. it later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think Nikola Jokic knows we're on that level. Nikola Jokic is just showing up for another practice, going through his drills, trying to fight boredom. Yeah, going through another weightlifting session, hopping on a plane, going to a new city. I thought it was kind of in- enlightening, though. You're laughing, but I kind of felt like I was like, all right, a little peek into Jokic's worldview right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a peek that I think we've we've gotten a lot, yeah, but yeah. he was kind of just going on about um, the early parts of the season. He was at, talking about the defense, where the Nuggets are at, and this was, you know, classic Nikola Jokic today, and he was like, look, through seven games or four and three, we have a positive record. Maybe we should have won a couple more games. Maybe we should have won a couple less games. I think we're good. 
What do you guys what do you guys read into that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the only thing you read into it is that Jokic is in no way like panicked about the team or anything well, that yeah, has happened. Not that kidding. you thought he would be, but I mean, I don't know. Sometimes he would say this or that. Like I think Jokic is annoyed with the need to go through the process as I'm sure you're about to get yeah. to. Just annoyed at I always come back to the Will Barton doc thing I'd made four or five years ago where Will Barton was talking about how Jokic was handing out water and his energy was so high and that the team needed that during training camp. And he's like, those are the dog days. Nobody wants to be there. And I remember thinking, like, Will's a hooper. He didn't want to be there. Like, even he didn't want that. Right. And now I think yeah. Jokic brought that energy then. Jokic is now the Will Barton in the situation where he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here. Like, why do I have to do October and November? This sucks. Right, right. And then he was asked about, like, handling – the beginning part of the season compared to like later in the season. And he was talking about how he says, look, basketball is a boring sport. You do the same thing every day, but as long as you have a routine, you'll be good. And then he was talking about when he first established his routine and he said that Nuggets assistant Ogi Stoyakovic was pretty integral in helping him with that, establishing what his routine was, you know, establishing the work he put in every single day to kind of you know, keep that level-headedness throughout the season. Yeah, And I think just to clarify, he did say, you know, not not the sport, you know, of basketball, but right. the life around the game of right. basketball. He said though. basketball is like a beautiful game because you never know what's going to happen. Right. Anything can happen on any given day. You can play well one game. You can play poorly the next game. You don't know what's going to happen, but it's boring from a routine aspect. Right. You get up. You watch film, you practice, you fly to a new city, you practice again, you play a game, you watch film, and then you do it all over again. And right. as Wind and I were saying, not sure Yoke's getting to new cities like whipping out the itinerary. What do you guys want to see today? Oh, I've never I heard guys, a big bee yeah. Do you want to go to like the oldest hotel and yeah. the haunted hotel in Oklahoma City? Yeah. There is something about this like perspective though amongst NBA players because like our lives are monotonous. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to take away from him, but I'm just saying like everyone. He's like, oh, it's so monotonous. We have to travel to cities first class yeah. and then stay yeah. in hotels. I'm, and I'm then not be buying it. Oh, we have to and go not, to like a new five-star restaurant and he every is right. night. I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm just saying a little perspective is nice because most of the people watching the show and watching the games sit at the same cubicle every single day. That's, yeah. that's monotonous. Like the average human's existence is monotonous. But I can't see what he's saying though. <laughs> right? I'm not trying yeah. to be a jerk about it. I'm just well, saying. I mean, like, no, you can say it. And the average person doesn't get four mil a month. And it does. And I do either. empathize with the fact that for Jokic, October, November he's right that these don't really carry the same weight and it's hard to and you do have to show up and you wake up at the same time and you have a break I get that he is saying it's monotonous I just the perspective on all this is so important for NBA players because i every time I hear one of these complaints I'm always like man that is good context for us to understand the challenge right. let right. me give you some context for why it's like yeah still be really grateful yeah for a lot of people who sure. wait for your games <laughs> to break up the painful monotony the most people watching lives. this Jokic playing a game yeah. is the best part of their they entire wait week. all day for it and then yeah. sometimes you don't shoot <laughs> um he was talking about his chemistry with michael porter jr said whenever we score i think it's a good thing whenever we don't score i think it's a bad thing but our chemistry is is growing <laughs> He, is. he was also asked about if the Nuggets are physical enough. He said, sometimes we are, sometimes we are not. 
<laughs> he's the, I'm telling you, he's the best. <laughs> Unbelievable. Because it's also like truthful. He's being truthful. He's a hundred percent truthful. He's a hundred percent truthful. He's, man. Not it wrong. Is, he's the only one who's a hundred percent truthful. Jokic is actually Socrates. You know, like <laughs> he's know. just good at breaking the logic of any Sometimes question. Yes. Sometimes yeah. no. Like, yeah. Shit, that is yeah. true. He's so right. But he did say, when we were playing good, we are physical. When we're not, we're not. That's a hundred percent true. Like when you when you asked if the us if the Nuggets were a soft team, I think after the Lakers game, I said no because I've seen them be a physical team. But that's when you know they're playing well. Like the Nuggets can be a physical team. Um, they can be a team that takes it to their opponent. That happens only when they're playing well. Right. When they're not playing well, they do look soft. Right. At times. Right. Um. Yeah. And then he also said to that. Um, you can notice which teams are physical by just looking at the standings. The teams with the better records are physical. The teams with the worst records are not. I thought that was a little enlightening. You know, at least he thinks that there's some correlation between being physical and winning yeah. basketball games. Loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I mean, this is one of my big talking points on the Nuggets just from watching him. And I was. it's encouraging that he thinks they are physical at times. Yeah. Because to me, I would kind of be like, I don't know. I don't really see it. So... Maybe that's something that they have internally that they can tap into a little bit more. But yeah. you're right. The correlation between, yeah, the good teams are physical. It's like, oh. Yeah, look yeah. at the standings. Nobody ever talks about that, by the way. Like, think about all the things. Do they have enough shooting? Do they have enough defense? Do they have enough, you know, star power or robot, whatever it is? Nobody's ever just like, as a box to be checked, do they have enough physicality? I think that's something that people that observe the game like us don't talk about, but people on the inside and people who have played in the yeah. league, they think that's a much bigger requirement of a championship contender that than we do. And probably what they mean whenever you hear softness used in that context, like right. literally do. And I, I've always felt this is my note for Aaron Gordon, you know, who I think has actually done plenty of things right. But if like the best version of himself on this team, if there's one guy you go like, oh, I kind of don't want to play him. Because I'm just gonna feel him all night. Right, right. I'm gonna, you know, one guy who can maybe even inspire a little bit of fear or tentativeness, it would be him. And so if he can can make that his identity, that'd be awesome. I think it's funny. I won't gonna say who it is, but I've asked a former player one time about the '80s Nuggets, um, in particular the '85 team, '85 '86 team, the the best version of them. And I said, hey, like, did you ever feel, you know, like, what did you think of that team at the time? And he goes, they were good, but we never feared them. Mm. He's like, that team just, we always. Thought they were just a bunch of wussies, and I always found that funny because when you talk to the old heads, you know, the old fans or something, they'd always be like, "Man, I love that Nuggets team. I wish we could have this or that." And it's funny when you talk to a player, they're like, "Soft." We didn't. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't we think didn't, about them. They were skilled, but come on, man. Wait, they were right. missing an ingredient that yeah. I know was essential. Therefore, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the last note I got, he was talking about the Thunder. He did say they are well coached. Said they play with a lot of energy. Their set plays are really aggressive. I like that. That was a you're right. His you gotta pick up the details. Aggressive right. drivers. They are young. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was very good. You're Great right. scouting report. Jokic has interesting little details there. Yeah. Aggressive. All right, let's take our first break. We're a little late for our first break. But on the other side, I want to get into the Nuggets getting ready to go through a very key part of their schedule. I want to break it all down, talk about what they should go, as well as some of the keys to to this stretch, what we're looking for in that stretch. Guys, pick up some Broncos Country Pale Ale this week so you're ready to go for the Broncos game two weeks from now. Uh, they have a bye week this week, but there it is. 
Broncos Country Pale Ale in that Broncos Blue can. What a gorgeous can that is. Uh, picks him up. It's Broncos season. Broncos are coming off a W, so we, we don't have a lot of <laughs> moments this season to bask it's in this glory. It's a victory beer. Is the Broncos Country a victory beer for the next 10 days? It, it days? certainly is. Picks him up. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew beer locator on their website. That will tell you where to get Broncos Country Pale Ale no matter where you are. Broncos Country Pale Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. Make sure to pick some up this week. At DraftKings Sportsbook, guys, the NBA is back. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They're hooking new customers up. You guys can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. In addition, they've got the stepped-up same-game parlay promotion going for everybody, not just new users. The more legs you add, the bigger your payout will be. You opt in to the stepped-up same-game parlay. You activate the same-game parlay feature. Choose your same-game parlay. Add a bunch of legs. If you add 10 legs, you get a 100% profit boost. Then you make your bet with that. Win even more money with that stepped-up same-game parlay. I'll, I'll tell you what. I won one and lost one last night, but the one I lost made me so mad. Because I was like, all right, Steve Nash fired. Kevin Durant. Everything's cured. The, the, the no, Nets not are good to go. Not everything's <laughs> cured, but we even see a bad team fire the coach, and then they have yeah. one game. You always win the You always win that one. Yeah. And I was like, Katie in particular, who openly was lobbying for them to fire Steve Nash, he actually literally said him or me. Yeah. They fired him. I was like, oh, Katie's going to come out and give full effort. He did. They, still, they still lost. lost. That's going to tell you lost. everything you need to know about <laughs> they the still How'd Kyrie do? <laughs> he had a rough one, well, he's, man. he's simmering now. He oh, he's simmering. Rough, he's simmering. Okay. He had a rough All one. Right. Simmer. Um, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week at $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm telling you, this this bet was like KD points, KD rebounds, KD steals, KD assists, KD threes. Like all of these different Not things. Not Kevin he, Durant wins. And then I put the last <laughs> one. I'm like, well, if he does all these things, surely they will win. Nope. Caught every KD bet right. Lost the money line bet. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. Parley, yeah. Parlays are the devil's work. When you but hit your fun. wagon to Kevin Durant about anything, it, it hasn't ended well in the last couple of years. Man, so I got to tell you, so I having a conversation with some fellas yesterday. Some I know we're fellas. off of some fellas. Said KD's in his mellow, mellow phase now. His like where he's just gonna be good for a while, where nobody, but it means nothing, and then just disappear. So Mellow's whole career. I, well, <laughs> Mello, hey man, Mellow went to the Western Conference Finals in Denver, this or that. But I mean, when he said this, I was kind of like, "You're right. He's still really good. It just makes no difference, and he's kind of become in a weird way irrelevant. Now he might get traded to a good team and elevate them again. But, but I, isn't this what Kevin Durant wanted? <laughs> listen, man. Listen. It's he just wants to be left alone. Not enough hoop. was made of his comment when he was like all that Steph Curry ball movement. So he was feeling it. He was in his feelings. Was, I think at this time, oh, you of know. Course. But him saying well, that ball movement stuff is cute till you get to the conference finals and finals. Right, That's right. when you need this or that. And like that was a real philosophical statement that was made that a lot of people agreed with and continue to agree with yeah. that has just like could not have gone in more polarizing differences. Warriors won a title with that cute stuff that you can only do till the conference finals. The Nets missed the playoffs. They haven't done anything. It got swept and now are like a, a complete thing. I know other pieces are involved here, but I'm just saying, man, there's something to this and it's weird that KD for whatever reason, when he's such a great player, has hitched his wagon to trying to prove this one thing right when it's like, man, I, it just sucks. I hate it. I actually hate it because KD is too good of a player 
to have done this to yeah. to himself. It does yeah. make you wonder if he. It's a crazy thing to say about one of the ten or whatever best players ever. If he even got the, if he's the best version of himself, because that philosophical difference. I could, don't think that's unfair at all. Like how I know, you, but it's a crazy thing to wonder, you know, about a guy so good. But I I'm would go you. further and just say it's hard at this very moment to say to answer that in the positive. Right. Right. Like I just don't think that it is the case. And by the way, and I'm not trying to rag on Carmelo. Carmelo also a great player, but you that was the Carmelo experience for the people that lived it. It was always like he's so good. If he just if it just clicks for him, it's going to go to a whole other level. Yeah. And you never really felt like it clicked. It did. And the Warriors, the Lakers series in 2009, I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but like that was probably his best series. He really stepped it up there. And you saw a glimpse of like, man, this guy, he had pockets, he had flashes here. So anyway, it's just a, I think it's an important context to think about the game of basketball. And mm -hmm. when we talk about Michael Porter, some of this, every person's story is different. But there's some of that, too, where you're like, man, I just know this guy could be like one of the 10 best players or 15 best players or most impactful or whatever you want to say. I just know he can be. And it doesn't always click for him in that way. So no. that it's, you're rooting for it to happen with Michael Porter. Yeah. You were rooting for it with uh, Carmelo Anthony. And in this moment, in a weird way, I'm rooting for it with KD. Not because I want the Nets to do well, but just because I love basketball and I want to see the best, right, best right. of people. Mm -hmm. um, all right, you guys he is irrelevant now, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, they went to like the the most soulless franchise yeah. in the league. Well, you at least thought they'd be a decent basketball team. That is true. <laughs> it's really, really the weird. way they just weren't good. <laughs> but but like this year, they're just not good. Yeah. Well, the death. Actually, I would say this. This we weren't planning on talking this, but I think it's very interesting. So we'll go with it for a little bit here. Um, the death of the super team, I don't think there's a death of it, but sort of like the cultural irrelevance. I was asking somebody the other day, I'll ask you guys, I don't remember if I asked you this. What do you think is the most culturally relevant team of the last 22 years? So since the year 2000. Culturally relevant. What does that even mean? Relevant to basketball, to basketball the culture. Warriors, I think. Easily the Warriors, Warriors to me. I don't think it's, it's I mean, yeah. Steph Curry and yeah. the Warriors have changed and dominated one fourth of the last 22 years. And easily the one yeah. who would be number two. You're going all the way back to 2000. The Heatles. Oh, see, I disagree. I think it's the Lakers. The, the 2000 to 2002 Lakers that won three titles with Kobe and Shaq. They were, they were just so big. The Heatles, to me, are a distant, distant third, maybe not even third. And this was my point. They were culturally relevant at the time, but I don't think they come to mind right now when you say, hey, most important team. I, don't, I think you think of them because of player empowerment. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. Mm. Yeah, they started the super team. So they were in that way, but just in terms of thinking about that team, you might even have a hard time naming the players on that team outside of the three. Like, even the Norris Coles and the Mario Chalmers have sort Carlos of just like, Arroyo. they've become Shout less, than, Joel Anthony. less than footnotes. They've become just like, oh yeah, I don't even Eric remember Dampier. those guys. I don't know. I just... It's there's Mike an Miller. there's an interesting thing to me where some of these other teams are going to have a more staying power and the Heatles just become like this footprint where we talk about player empowerment. We don't yeah. actually talk about the team and how they played or what they did. Actually, yeah, I that. So For sure. kind of interesting. All right, let's get back to the Nuggets here. They are going on the road. Um, nine of the next. So we want to look at the month of November and just say, how can this be a successful month? What are some of the questions and big storylines that have emerged? If you asked Michael Malone this one. I think it would be a no-brainer. He would say, defending on the road. He has made a big point to say, at home they pack have- Pack your defense. They ha Pack your defense. They have defended well at home. They have not on the road. I don't know if I'm comfortable making that distinction just yet, because seven games means three at the home, four in the road. Like, I just, it's hard to say. But I will say, I, we talked about this yesterday. I think there's a little bit of branding because he knows they're going on the road. So if you Absolutely. can phrase it as, right. hey, we need to bring our defense on the road, he's really just saying we need to defend. Right. And then, guys, it's like a psychological trick. I honestly think he's doing that. But they have 9 of 12 on the road. 
Can they be a good defensive team? Harrison, by the end of November, or the month of November, let's cut out October because they're weighed so far down. The just in the month of November, where's Denver going to be defensively? Well, I'm looking up where they're ranked right now. They are 26th defensively. But let's throw that out. I just want to throw out because, yeah, <laughs> the, the truth is they're 26. So even if they have a top 10 month, they're probably going to be like 18th or 17th. Yeah. Um, I think over the next, whatever, couple weeks, this, over the course of this road trip, I think they're going to definitely improve defensively. I think they will. I, I really think a lot of Denver's defensive struggles right now come down to the fact that they're incorporating a lot of new faces. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, the bench unit, Michael Porter's back, Jamal Murray's back, and then that's the other part of it. Just Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. not playing last year. I think inherently those guys were going to struggle defensively out of, the, out of the gate. I think right now is as bad as Denver's going to look defensively all season because of all those things. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if it's some switch that flips, but I could see them working their way to 15 to 20 as yeah, opposed to like Yeah, I just think like it's going to be a natural progression. Some of it is yoke too. I mean, the, the first Lakers yep. game – he was everywhere in terms of passing lanes and deflections in his hands. I think he had like four steals that game. And you could feel the impact that had defensively. You know, Malone's going to emphasize every time that step one of, of rim protection is actually happens out on the perimeter, right? Point of attack defense. But the next layer of it is actually the center. And I think a little more effort from Jokic. When we've seen it, the team looks better. Um, and I think he can play a role in just setting the tone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look, Yoke's busting his ass back there. Like, we should be focused. We should be locked in. We should be, you know, doing the same. So I think they can get to 15 to 20-ish, and I'd love to see that. I think the defense thing, and I think all of the season so far, like the more you just kind of get away from the reaction to games or this, that, and you start to think about what's going on, A 82-game season is like a big project. We just did the documentary. It's a big project, right? It was not we're going to work on this for 12 hours straight and then be done with it. It's like we got to plan six weeks in advance and do a little bit at a time. And when you do a big project, there's little pieces that come in where you're like dotting every I, crossing every T, locked in, all, all aspects of it. And then as you get into it and it's sloppy and there's things, all these other, your mind just gets divided into a hundred different things and things start, the, the I stop to be dotted. Defense to me is all about dotting your I's, crossing your T's. I think some of Jokic's and the Nuggets at large is, wow, we have so many things to improve on. Mm. And it's hard to be like, we're going to dot our I's and right. cross our T's right. on defense every time. Because then I'm, I'm also emotionally dragged down by this thing I have to do and this thing and everything else. And I think that's where the Nuggets are. I will say that if you look at the typical Nuggets arc, usually they start out great on defense yeah. and then get worse in the middle of the year and then pick it up again at the end of the year. Yeah. You're starting bad. And I don't know if November is going to be the signal of improvement in that regard. Mm. I kind of wonder. Yeah, I just think it's going to be marginal. Like, I, I really do. Um, it, the Nuggets are in this position now. They're in a different position entering the season than they've been in these past years. They have more of a veteran team now than they've ever had in the Jokic era. Expectations are higher now than they've ever been in the Jokic era internally and i think externally you know when it comes to our expectations the veterans on this team they know what they have to do to make it through and be at their best you know come playoff time i just think denver is kind of easing into this season especially with you know jamal murray getting ramped up and, yeah. and michael porter not playing last season 
I, I just think they're on a ramp right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when you start a new job, you're on, if you're on a quota, you get ramped, you know, you don't have to hit your full quota in that first month. You have to hit, you know, 25% of it. Then next month it's 50, then 75, then three, four months into it, you're finally at a hundred percent of your quota. I just feel like that's how Denver is easing into this season. And they'll probably be okay. I mean, you know, I expect this team to look really good at some point, but I do wonder if there is something to, you know, you just spent the last year and a half either ramping down or trying to keep your head above water or a lot of ramps, a lot of ramps or, or, you know, is there something to just getting into the, Hey, it's, we can't, we can't not dot our eyes because the T's aren't crossed too. Like we got to be putting the effort in to tighten the, tighten this stuff up. And if it doesn't happen now, will we get too deep into the season where the tone has already been set that, ah, that can fly, that can fly. And you know, I don't know. I'm sure this is an internal conflict and challenge for Malone, eternal challenge of just do, do we, how hard do I ride that versus trusting they'll probably figure this out. Yeah. the. The thing with me, if I told you if they're going to be a top 20 defense in the month of November, you say yes? Yeah, I think so. You say yes? I'm going to say it's going to be right around 20. I I might even go no. And the reason is, one, again, nine of the next 12 are on the road. Teams just shoot better by 2-3% when they're at home versus the road. Like Denver's going to have good defensive possessions where guys just make shots and teams get hot. And I think it's under – who's calling in right now? No, that's not us. That's downstairs. Oh, Okay. Um, the other thing that's on the docket for me here is Jokic's aggressiveness. Yeah. This has been a talking point. Let me give you some numbers here. He's averaging 21 points per game, which is less than the previous two years by about five points. <coughs> Not a surprise necessarily that it's lower, but five points. Okay. Um, his 23.3 usage is the lowest since his rookie year. So it's also just, he's touch He's just doing things less lowest since his, it would be one thing if it was his sophomore year where he came off the bench. It's lower even than that year. He came off the bench till December fifteenth. Yeah. Like, think about that. And then thirteen point six field goal attempts per every per thirty six minutes. Also, the lowest since his rookie season. So this is not just a reduction back down to the, you know, pre trade or pre injury era. It's a reduction all the way back to um, the Emmanuel Mudiay era, all the way back to then when he was playing like twelve minutes a game. And then the one that's craziest nine point two assists per thirty six is his highest ever. So maybe it is. Just he wants to be more of an assist person, although it's 9.2 compared to like 8.8, so it's not that much higher, but it is a little bit higher like to, for it to go up. So Jokic's aggressiveness, I don't think that if you asked Jokic, is this an issue? I think he would say no. I think Absolutely. he's playing exactly how he kind of like is setting the table. That being said, this is one where I do anticipate the month of November we start to see a little bit more throwback Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how you win those road games while Jamal's ramping up. And right. <clears throat> all those factors working against you is – the best player plays that way and, and you just he doesn't let you go on a slide so I, I anticipate seeing that as well but it does seem it's it is like he seems very content to like hey this is jamal's time like if jamal needs to dribble around out there let him dribble around right we will figure this out and it will come back to the balance um so he that does seem to be his approach he also by the way and i don't know if you mentioned this maybe i, I missed it but when asked about his chemistry with Michael Porter, Jokic did say it's, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he, there is improvement there between us from the start of the season yeah. to now, and that's that was meaningful to me that he. I think so too. Yeah, and I think if you if Jokic told the truth when you asked him what's your goal right now at this point in the season, I think he would say getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter yeah. Jr. up to speed. 
I think knowing what we know about Jokic and and how he enters a season and what his priorities are, I think that his main goal right now is top priority this early in the season over the first month of this regular season is to get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to a level where he can then you know turn it on and get back to the player he was last year. But I definitely think he entered the season thinking, all right, we got to get these guys yeah. ready. Like that is our first priority, getting right. those two guys good to go. Then we can kind of then I can kind of do my thing after that. Right. That's what I think. I, that's my read. I don't know. Like that's just my read. Yeah. Um. I just I'm curious to see what kind of numbers he puts up in this next month. I'm curious to see what he puts up not tomorrow. I'm also curious how Oklahoma City guards him. Yeah. You know, they guarded him that way here in Denver, and Denver made a lot of three pointers in that game. It was at home. Do you try that same strategy and I do guys would. make shots when I they're should. on the road? It's a good question. We'll find out. Um, I think tomorrow night's game is going to be a, a tough one. I think it's a really Definitely. tough one. So oh, yeah. Definitely. Always is. I'm curious to see what thunder. the line is when it comes out. Let's take a break. I got a couple more on here, including finding Michael Porter Jr.'s offensive limit. That might be a thing mm-hmm. we explore a little bit, although not according to Michael Malone, but <laughs> might happen naturally. Might happen naturally in November. <laughs> All right, guys, make sure to get set up with Evoca TV right now because you don't only really only get to watch the Nuggets games on Evoca TV. You get to watch the DNVR channel. And, and what is playing on the DNVR channel right now? A hundred invisible threads. Tonight. Tonight, by the way, seven o'clock, the second showing of it. I'm telling people, I've told people this. I am so insanely proud of it. And it's you guys know me. Every time we do a big project or something, I always assume it sucks. I'm just like, if we throw a big event, nobody's going to come to it. I'm just a pessimist in that way. I'm like a cynic. This is one, it's really rare for me to say, I think this is good. <laughs> like, it's something I'm really proud of, and I think yeah. it's great, and I think people are going to absolutely good love it. So, if you got a Vodka TV, make sure you set your alarm tonight at 7 o'clock so you can be sure to watch it live. Yes. And, let, and tweet about it. Use hashtag Invisible Threads. Let us know what you were thinking. Um, and I will say the response to the few Serbian people that have been able to view it, some of the people that helped me with the project and stuff has been, has been the thing that's most calmed my nerves about, about, Hey man, some people said nailed it. Like this is, this is exactly the story that people that we think people were going to want to hear about Serbia and about Yugoslavia, which is so, so cool to hear. Yeah. It's playing tonight on the DNVR channel on Ivaka TV at seven. It's also playing on November 8th and then, then uh, November 15th. At seven as well. If you Those don't have a vodka, by the way, up. yeah. So if you don't have a vodka, sign up. You'll get it by the time they shows next week. You'll have it yes. ready to go. Um, yeah, you can get Evaca. Go to evaca.tv. Sign up for twenty five dollars a month plus a five dollar receiver fee. Evaca.tv. Twenty five bucks a month for Evaca TV plus that five dollar receiver fee. Watch our hundred visible threads. Watch the DNVR channel where all our live shows are streaming. Uh, watch Nuggets games too. That's not not a bad. Uh, third thing you get with Ivaca TV. Um, also athletic greens, make sure to sign up with athletic greens as well. It's the best way to start your day. If you want better gut health, if you want more energy in your daily life, if you want an optimized immune system, check out athletic greens, one scoop of athletic greens, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash nuggets, athleticgreens.com slash nuggets to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of athletic greens and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need to worry about all these different pills and vitamins, just athletic greens. That's all you need. Athleticgreens.com slash nuggets. 
All right, back here, segment three, and we're talking about November, what some things we're looking at. I hinted at it, but finding Michael Porter Jr.'s offensive limit. It's funny, if you ask Michael Porter, you know, about expanding shots, he's like, I just feel like 50%. I can do that no matter how many I take. Yeah, I can make one out of two. Good. You ask Michael Malone, you ask uh, Nikola Jokic, both of them kind of like, eh, I don't like it. Things are going great. They're like, yeah. oh, he's shooting well? Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like the limit is just play within yourself. You know, you kind of we're, we're kind of where we are. I think these things are – those are the types of questions that you ask players or coaches and they're not necessarily keyed in on because they're thinking about different things. I do think, though, it's a natural progression that we are going to see over the month of November. Michael Porter averaged, what, 18 points per game? 19? 18 and a half. He's 18 and a half. I think he's going to average over 20 for the month of November, and I think it's going to come off of the exact same shooting profile that he has now bumped up a little bit. Well, he should average – he's – He's scoring efficiently enough right now where you say, regardless of where the fault lay, lays, whether that's a, a porter problem, a staff right. problem, or a teammate problem, he's got to shoot more. Like he's, right. There are too many possessions where you go, what was that, when that guy's on the floor? And <laughs> the crazy thing about Mike is when he says, I, I, I feel like I'm shooting well this year, and I just think about the shots that I missed, and they're shots I should have hit. And everyone goes, yeah, I agree with him. Right. <laughs> All those yeah. shots should have yeah. gone in. So the tough thing is, from the Malone perspective, I think if you were 100% confidence, confident that the ways you were trying to coach Porter, you know, know the offense, just be foolproof on defense and rebounding, if all of that was there, then maybe he would say, now we're experimenting. Mm -hmm. Now it's about unlocking you. But that may run contrary to this sort of, like, tightrope walk he's trying to do of, like, you let Mike be Mike, but but can you be this version of Mike? Yeah. But where you can really let Mike be Mike is on the second unit. Correct. And I'm actually it's buying Malone point. with this where he really says the goal is to have him out on the floor yeah. with that second unit. They couldn't do it as much last game in L.A. because of foul trouble. We're going to see Porter with the second unit every single game, I think. I do, too. And the majority of minutes that the bench is out there for, he's going to be playing with that group. And that unit allows him to be... Michael Porter Jr. and I think like play the way that he grew up playing mm. and and I just think he's going to get a lot of points with that second unit and so I think that's going to lead to him you know up in his scoring average as well this next month and just kind of stepping back about Porter I don't think we've we've kind of just talked enough about how he's come back after missing a full season pretty much and just been the same incredible offensive player he was two years ago. Totally. You know, the last time he was fully healthy. I mean, it's been pretty incredible. We've seen how an 18th-month layoff has messed with Jamal Murray's shot, and he's struggling to get his three-point shot back. Michael Porter Jr., after missing, you know, a year pretty much, 12 months, is an even better shooter than he was. You know, the last time he was fully healthy on an NBA court, that's wild to me, and I, I think it's a testament to just how much work he puts in behind the scenes. And like I, I've reported this on this already this season, the work he put into his jumper this summer. We've talked about it, but the fact that he's come back and is an even better offensive player and an even more polished offensive guy than he was two years ago, the last time he was fully healthy, 
I think you got to give him a lot of credit, probably more credit than people have been giving him. And just how good he is, right? Taking at 14 because of the back injury. You go back, his his almost certainly erroneous claim to have shot 75% from three in high <laughs> yeah, school. That's bullshit. I wanted to go sorry. back and look into that. So, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there's almost no way. I bet it was like 60, though. But I don't it, know, man. As you're, as, 75% like, from three. Here, here's, the reason, here's, the reason why, here's the reason why, man. When you're a top school like that, you play – six tough games and then you play a lot of like oh man these poor suckers had to go up again you saw the video of zion against the little dude that's like five foot three and sure, he's like sure. trying to drop like when you play it when you're a top team like that where you all the kids came there you play a half of your games against those guys that he might have shot 100 percent in like five different games the point is i went back and i looked at his draft profile in a way that we didn't even then because we never thought he'd be here and it's like the videos are titled like, "Is this the best season ever in high school? Is this <laughs> yeah. the best player?" Give we've the ever stats. Seen? Do you remember them off the top of your head? He's averaging like thirty-six points, fifteen rebounds, five assists, three steals per game, or something. Yeah, bro, was, he had to have been averaging more than thirty-six a game if he was shooting seventy-five percent. Yeah, yeah, he was not shooting seventy-five. Three. <laughs> thirty-six points, fourteen rebounds, five assists, three points, two steals per game. He dominated. I'm impressed. Thirty-six points. I'll tell you what the most impressive number of that is. It's the five assists. No. <laughs> 36 <laughs> points is a lot of points. Did, did for you know that his game. mom averaged 55 points a game her senior year of high school? I, I do I, believe that. Yeah. <laughs> the things you believe versus what you don't that believe. That one's documented, wild. though. That one's documented. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I don't know, man. I don't believe he shot 75% from three. I mean, I don't I don't either. I'm just saying it's not as absurd when you factor in that there, the three point line's close. He's a foot taller than half the people he went against, and half the games they played against. None of those guys went to college. You're just going up against a group of buddies who were just signed up to get their like ass kicked by Michael Porter. Pre-first surgery, which I'll always wonder. I always wish I kind of got to see him. Play well, when he was asked the other day about how healthy he is, his he's explosiveness. like, yeah, his explosiveness. He's like, I think it's back to where it was the last time I was healthy with the Nuggets, but not back to where it was in high school, which yeah. tells you, like, you're right. If oh, watch those videos, man. He's like, he is soaring up there for one-handed alley. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a different thing. Uh, I think Michael Porter is going to... Um, have a very good November just because I think he's he's ready for it. He's done all he showed me all the things I needed to see offensively and I just think he's ready for an elevated role. Um bench lineup is obviously the biggest one. We saved it basically for last year. Um the Nuggets, you guys tell me if you've heard this story before. The Nuggets are plus thirty six when Jokic is on the court oh, this that's season. Cool. That's awesome. They're minus fifty six with Shit. him off. I actually haven't heard that because that's significantly worse than they were last year, game to game. What's crazy is Michael Porter is actually a bigger off, and this is why I think the bench might be is solved a little bit. We get, there's been wonky numbers. Bones is missed. Michael Porter. You get them all in there. Bones and Michael Porter, I think, are going to be the bench, and I think you're going to end up like having yeah. much less uh, variance here. Weirdly, the Jokic-Porter on minutes have yeah. been so-so. They haven't been the best, but Jokic on has been dynamite. Porter on has been dynamite. Both of them on has been very good, and I just and then you look at this when they're both off and it hasn't been a ton of minutes, but they but I mean it actually has been a ton of minutes relative, but they're minus seventy seven when both of them are off. They have an eighty four point seven offensive rating in the hundred or whatever minutes it is when neither of them have been on the court. That's wild. I think I mean it's the answer, right? Like one of those two guys have to be on the floor. I think eventually you can say Murray Bones and some of the numbers here are when none of those guys were healthy. Like right. a lot of these minutes are minus thirteen and two minutes to in the Lakers game, right? The, yeah. The third quarter. A lot of these are in tiny little pockets. But I think that one of the things you should feel good about for the month of November is, with any luck, knock on wood, 
you probably are going to have one of Jokic or Porter on the court almost the entire game. Right. And you're likely to have Murray or Bones on the court with one of those guys at all points. And to mm -hmm. me, that just like elevates your floor quite a bit. Yeah. So solving the bench is going to be an issue. I just think this one is probably closer to being solved than we think. It's just the team hasn't been healthy. If the team's not healthy in November again, which if, is possible. If Porter Bones doesn't work on the second unit, I don't think anything will. That might be true. But it's going to work. I just think it's going to work. I think it will, too. I think I, it's, it's going to be good enough. I also think it, this gets forgotten. Like, it's been the plan for two years. Like, a back surgery got in the way. But even Malone saw right away, like, okay, he should play. He yeah. should play with those guys. I do think that I, it's, it's a bummer, man. A sneaky bummer of last year's injuries is that we didn't get to see what Porter looked like without Murray. For a full season. Right. Just a full oh, season yeah. of it. Is it they played all their men's together? Or what did last year you started this process of, hey, Porter, you carry the non-Jokic right. minutes and let's just see what it's like. I think we would have seen it last year and probably been further along with right. what you want this year. Um, the last piece, and this goes along with the bench unit, Zeke, MIA, do we see Zeke in November? Does he have a, a, a meaningful role on this team in, in the month of November? I'm going to say no. How could you say yes? I mean, he's been banished from the rotation. It, coming into this season, I thought... DeAndre Jordan would be the quote-unquote backup center, but Zeke Naji would get his chances. He's gotten one chance through seven games. Played really badly in that stint he got. Had like zero rebounds in 10 minutes. He was awful. Like He was a minus nine or minus 10 in that game. Um, but still, I thought he there would be a couple games circled here and there where he would get his shot. Hasn't really gotten that yet. And that was a back-to-back -back as well, right? So maybe you're <laughs> There's thinking. some, like, really loud moments where you're like, surely Zeke will play here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, man. Yeah, I got to say no. You got to say no right now. The, And especially because they view him as the backup five. I think if you're talking about Zeke Naji as a four and you're looking at some of the minutes Jeff Green's given you this year, you might say, can you try that? But that doesn't seem to be their understanding or intended use of him. And Malone seems to really love Jeff Green in the rotation. So I'm with Wynn. I'm going to say no. I think a big thing for Bones, I hope fans have learned this lesson. There's always a scapegoat. There's always somebody's fault. If we just fix this one thing, that's why I hate some of them. I know my colleague over at Lockdown, Matt Moore, has been pointing out the Bruce Brown-Jeff Green duo. Ryan Blackburn today, I saw posted a Bruce Brown-DeAndre Jordan duo. I don't – I think – I, it might be. It very well might be right that some of these combos of two players, I think it's overstated, even on a full year's sample size, sometimes the two, like, oh, you can't play this guy and this guy together. Sometimes that works, I think, mostly for, like, four fives or one twos. But I don't think it's, like, a two and a five or a two and a four. Well, Bruce Brown is not a good fit with the bench lineup. That includes DeAndre Jordan. I think that maybe, is... Maybe, or Jeff, I mean, or Jeff Gray. Again, these guys are postponed. Maybe it's the trio. I don't know. What I want to say, though, is... I don't, I don't know that it's fair to kind of point to those things. We talked about this the other day. Bruce Brown has the worst plus minus on all of the Nuggets. We watch it. We've been very impressed with him. Sometimes these things don't line up. I will just say, though, that the combination of these players and the bench is going to be interesting. But I bring it up to say this. A lot of people have been frustrated with Bones so far this year. When he's hot, obviously it's great. Everybody loves him. But when he's not on fire, does the bench unit look a little rough? And then it's like, oh, he's being selfish, this or that. When he wasn't out there... The worst two-minute stretch of the best totally. where they has the whole totally. year. I think that this is another situation where you have to look at it and say, it's easy to say, hey, it's this guy, but I think it's logically incorrect. It's <laughs> logically incorrect. And for Bones, he has a tough task. 
I do think that he's going to have a better November than he did October, in large part because I think the bench solutions have become more clear. Oh, yeah. And they are always going to have one better offensive option there. Yeah. So to me, if I'm building the bench, I start from a place of Bones and MPJ, and I go from there. Yep. Bruce is going to play, but I don't know if Bruce ends up being a more of a first-unit guy than a second-unit guy just with the staggering. Um, and then everybody else, I would say, hey – Let's let's evaluate what pieces make the most sense around those guys. Is it KCP? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it Zeke? Well, it's Nagy? Christian Brown. Is it Christian Brown? Uh, Christian Brown, I should say, you start there too. But again, Christian Brown's another guy like Bruce Brown that might be more of a first unit guy, just through staggering. So to me, I think that's what November's going to it's be. Probably about. not Davon. Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, to me are <laughs> are great Jokic players. Yeah. So I almost prefer them coming in early, right. and maybe you bring out. You know, some of the other guys early, Murray and uh, Porter early, or something, I don't know, something like that. KCP maybe. It's pretty complex rotation. I don't it's know not if we can I don't handle think it, that. I don't think it's complex at all. I just, I'm saying, when you try to f- solve <laughs> well, the bench unit. I'm saying baby steps here. <laughs> maybe, but I'm, think about this. We keep talking about give, give the bench Porter. Well, is it Porter and four bench members? Maybe. What about KCP? I, no, I like I like that. KCP also now you're starting to talk about lineups that make sense. Bones, yeah. KCP, MPJ. Mm, I like that. I and think then, one of the beauties of this roster is you've got guys that fit so well with Nikola Jokic this season. Like Bruce Brown is such a great fit with Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Christian Brown, he's kind of in that Bruce Brown archetype I agree. player. Um and has the Jokic stamp of approval. Yes. Those guys are coming off your bench, but they fit in a way they're versatile enough where you've got to find ways to mix and match more than you ever have in the past. You can't look at Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and say, you guys are bench guys. You can't look at KCP and at Michael Porter Jr. and say, you guys are starters. You've got to have more flexibility with your personnel this year than you ever have had in your past because you can this year because you have a more versatile roster. Yeah, I, and I think we will to in small I, degrees I in too. November. I think I really we're do. trending that way, absolutely. I, I think we probably would have felt better about it in the last two, three games. It's just there's been guys in and out of the rotation right. that have yeah. changed. I mean, but Bones and Ish Smith missing minutes in the same game. Yeah. It's killed. It's a nightmare. nightmare. Um, lastly, I want to talk really briefly about this. Uh, we, we referenced it at the top of the show. Miles Turner went on the Woj pod this, Come on. this, this week. If you don't know, Miles Turner coming up on a contract year in Indiana, a tanking team, desperately wants to go to the LA Lakers because he is a like warm-blooded American-born NBA player. But they, they all want to go to the Lakers. Um, so he goes on the show, and here's why I say like sometimes the temperature gets turned up on something so slow that you don't notice it, right? It just keeps going slowly. We're at a point right now in 2022 where a player goes on – a podcast with Woj, the most powerful man in all of the NBA, way more powerful than Adam Silver, the most powerful man in the NBA. And he goes on there and lobs some questions. For example, for example, <laughs> would you include a first if you were Indiana or if you were the Lakers, would you include a first in order to trade for you? Think about how absurd this is that the most powerful journalist, the guy that controls all the secrets in the NBA and kind of like pulls the strings is asking a player on the Indiana Pacers if a te- another team who he doesn't play for should include a first to trade for him. Yeah. Guys, we are so far past the line with the NBA. And this is why I brought it up. I brought it up a couple months ago when I was talking about some of this Woj and the CAA connections. What will he and won't he say? We have a guy openly talking about a trade deal with a player. Yeah. Can you imagine if Murray was on the Woj pod the trade. and they were like, hey, man, what do you think about going to Toronto? Should Denver 
be willing to move you? Like, yeah. did you mean you'd be like, what the hell? It's ridiculous. Ri- yeah. First of all, it's not even an interesting question to him. Like, besides the ethical part, it's like, what's he going to... Yeah, sure. No, no, I, I see. I kind of disagree with you on this oh, one. Oh, really? I don't... Miles what? Turner, because who is this for? Him. Who? What do you mean? Who is this Who is this question for? Like, who is he... Who is, like, getting something positive out of this? I mean, the podcast, just because it's, like, you know, people want to listen to it or whatever because it's interesting, but who is, like, being served by asking Miles Turner... Miles Turner's agent. Miles, Miles Turner's Turner, agent. who's trying to go to the Lakers. Right. So when you say, like, Miles Turner's not interested. No, Miles Turner's probably told him, ask me about being traded no, to the I'm Lakers. I'm trying to make That's this happen. That's why it's an uninteresting question because I know what his obvious interest is right you know what i mean who gives a shit yeah i'm sure he's it's just so it's so crazy how much the nba is out of control to me right now and how players can literally go on a team-sponsored podcast by the way like espn they are one of the main distributors of the nba you go on with woge the most powerful guy and just talk about yeah they should trade me man here's the pieces (laughs) let's hop on the trade machine together and make a trade (laughs) should they have brought up a second screen they should have brought it up and done the trade machine for a while like oh man it doesn't work all right so we gotta throw in russell westbrook (laughs) wait should we reroute him to like charlotte yeah Yeah, let's let's do that we bring in now okay uh, front office insider bobby marks bobby (laughs) bobby why isn't this trade being accepted (laughs) the nba is so far away right now and I don't know I honestly don't understand how it's not a bigger story these types of things yeah a player openly doing trade machine type stuff for yeah. his own team is just so like we are so lost it's so broken yeah and I can't believe it I, I mean it was a big story but to me it's like so much so of this a trade's story. definitely gonna happen right uh, I mean, it has to happen. Like, it's I don't definitely going to happen. Maybe the Pacers will pull a Spurs and just be like, hell no, we're not doing it. We'll send him to a way worse package. We'll send him to, I don't yeah. know, Orlando or something. How'd that work out for the Spurs, though? I, this is the problem. The Spurs stood <laughs> on principle, and, and, and now they they're fucked them. six years later, here we are still tanking. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's wild. It sucks. And then Kawhi just ended up in L.A. anyway. Miles will just end up in L.A. anyway. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. But right. Adam Silver, meanwhile, is sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Well, the entire league just crumbles around him. I think it's a missed opportunity. It will never happen. But the way the way you push back on this is like Brooklyn should have just traded Kevin to Orlando. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, like that's the that's you just the, go. Guess what? I don't care. The Lakers too, right? The Lakers don't have or LeBron doesn't have a trade clause, right? That was the big thing. Like, only Bradley Beal has a no only trade Brad, clause. I, there's. The funniest to me would be KD getting traded to some random place. Maybe it's San Antonio. Like it would be the best thing for him. But the ultimate no, eat your vegetables. Yeah. Now you're in a good system that's yeah. going to actually work for you. <laughs> and he wins a title. Oh, that'd be unhappy. a great podcast topic. Where where NBA, every NBA superstar would hate to be traded the most. Oh, and then LeBron. <laughs> maybe it's Denver or something. Yeah, it's Utah with the Dwayne way, Wade or something. Is, where he's is, just like, what? I didn't sign up for this. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Is it the Lakers for Jokic? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think it might. I think you might be right. Yeah. All right. Hit that outro music, Kale. Oh, I thought we could go on with that. Segment. I could go on on this forever. I don't know why this. I, I just want everyone to see this because to me, there's always been like the NBA, you know, we always know the Lakers have had a laid up. That goes back to the 60s, man. It yeah. goes back to the 70s and 80s. This, that's not new. The degree to which the mechanisms are working and rowing in their favor now are so over the top that I'm like, guys, we're not even hiding it anymore. We're literally hopping on the coach pod and trying to figure out how to get it done. <laughs> right. 
how to get it done. Like, hey, man, next week maybe I'll have Palinka on and ask him. Like, let's just negotiate <laughs> this out in the open. Would you include the first? Let me call. Let's call up Indiana on the phone and just like do this whole thing. We're doing a show with DeAndre Jordan, trying to get him to force it. force a trade. Like, <laughs> hey, man, uh, they could use you. Oh, jeez, seriously, the worst. Uh, all right, that does it for today, guys. I can't believe we survived three days without Nuggets basketball felt like a week the thunder baby tomorrow the thunder are back and then the nuggets go into this little series of games every other day for a month they'll be exhausted but we will be very excited to follow them all the way along we hope you guys come with us don't forget evoca tv tonight 7 p.m 100 invisible threads you're gonna love it you're gonna love it hit the like button on the way out